mainstream medicine is really good at what it does, but it is limited. And patients feel that the system is broken. Hmm. And we have numerous reasons. I don't have to go into a minute of press. <laughs> but if we can, as healthcare givers, bring in the wisdom of the ancients, we add so many tools to our repertoire. And those tools can really help us gain effectiveness over a person's health journey or their life journey for that matter. Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather. And in this episode, I am joined by doctor and author Sharon E. Martin to discuss her book, Maximize Your Healing Power, Shamanic Healing Techniques to Overcome Your Health Challenges. Sharon explains the value of using intuition and medical diagnosis, how an awareness of consciousness could revolutionize healing, how the ways we think can bring us inner peace, and how people have the power to help heal themselves. Also, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. Your support is truly appreciated. Sharon E. Martin, MD, PhD, graduated from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine and is a board-certified physician of internal medicine with a doctorate in physiology. She is a graduate of the Healing the Light Body Curriculum of the Four Winds Society and the host of two radio shows, Maximum Medicine and Sacred Magic, aired on the Transformation Talk radio network. She is a doctor at a rural health clinic in South Central Pennsylvania. She joins me today to discuss her book, Maximize Your Healing Power, Shamanic Healing Techniques to Overcome Your Health Challenges. Sharon, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you. And congratulations on the book. I understand it's currently number one on Amazon. It's number one, actually, in two categories and moving up in a third, which is kind of like, it was my, my my wish and my intention, but it surpassed my literal world belief. Wow. <laughs> so it, yeah. anyway, that's, it's cool. And I think it's cool the most, not only for being able to, you know, say, man, I did that, but it opens the door for the message to reach people. So yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was this your first book? Yep. Okay. Wonderful. Oh, well, congratulations again. Thank you. I, I found the book really interesting and I think a welcome addition to bridging traditional Western medicine with shamanic and energetic healing practices. And I wanted to ask you, though, if we could start, if you could maybe share a little bit about your journey through and from traditional Western medicine to incorporating these shamanic and energetic and vibrational healing methods. So when I was a doctor straight out of medical school, I was all about the science. Why well, I, lo- I love science and making sure I did the right thing in the diagnosis, in the treatment, all very standard of care by the book 
And one by one, I had interactions where patients were hungry for something more. And I'm pretty down to earth. So that's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not unapproachable. But I would have patients who were there on their visit for blood pressure, and they had just lost a family member, and they were feeling completely out of power, what I would call power. And I realized that what I had to offer them in the realm of prescriptions didn't always fit the bill, and it didn't always bring healing. And also I had multiple experiences of times where medical, traditional mainstream medical choices would not have evoked well-being. Now, obviously when people's sugars are really high because of diabetes, you wanna give them medicine to get it down. But sometimes those medicines are really expensive, hard to manage, but the person doesn't feel totally great about their life. And I opened the book, Maximize Your Healing Power. I opened the first chapter with a story about a young man who came to the office, not my patient, Friday night late, I'm exhausted. I really did not want to stay three more hours. And tell me something that was bothering him that as I sat there, I realized that the medical treatments I had to offer, all they were going to do was give him a label, sedate him, maybe even um, make him a zombie because it was he was anxious. He turned out to be an unbelievably psychic, hmm. uh, intuitive, paranormal kind of guy, young man. And I realized, and I don't, I guess I was guided by spirit because something said, stop and listen, don't jump immediately to calling the police and having him carted off to a loony bin. And I realized that he was gifted in these arenas we don't value in this society and that we don't encourage people to practice. Things that 20, maybe 2000 years ago, people were good at that. It was part of healer's job, the shaman's job anyway, to dream about the future of the tribe. He, This young man turned out to be a Romani gypsy and he was unbelievably psychic and he had predictive dreams, but he thought he was going crazy. And that's when I realized that if I'm going to promote, and I'll use the term well-being because it's a term I learned uh, from reading books by Stefan Schwartz, Promoting well-being, I am not going to give him antipsychotics and sedatives. I need to validate this other way he has of processing the world and the data in the world. And that interaction, and that's why I opened the book with it, was the turning point for me to start studying other ways of approaching healing, other esoteric ways. And step out of the box. Mainstream medicine is really good at what it does, but it is limited. And patients feel that the system is broken. Hmm. And we have numerous reasons. I don't have to go into a minute of pressing. <laughs> but 
if we can, as healthcare givers, bring in the wisdom of the ancients, we add so many tools to our repertoire and those tools can really help us gain effectiveness over a person's health journey or their life journey for that matter. The young man was very lucky that you were there, even though you didn't initially want to be, but that you were able to recognize that he wasn't sick because so many other doctors, like you said, they would have prescribed, you know, medicine and diagnosed him with something he didn't really have. I think, and I'm going to say something woo-woo here. I think he was a message from spirit mm-hmm. and he was an opportunity. If you believe in God, I'll call it God, spirit, higher self put in front of me as a wake up call. So he gained validation from me, but I gained eyes opened hmm. and the beginning of a new journey. So I am eternally grateful to that encounter. I don't hmm. even remember his name. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It was uh, reciprocal. Um, oh so, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you say a little bit about this led you to pursue training in the shamanic, right? Can you uh, discuss right. that just a little bit? So at the same time, this young man was showing up, which might have been in November and maybe in December, I'm reading a book by Alberto Violdo, Shaman, Healer, and Sage. And I was captivated. Something inside me resonated deeply, deeply. The idea that there is indigenous ways of approaching healing the idea that we have an energy body, a light body, and Alberto teaches this very well. And I thought, I need to learn this. Um, Another woo-woo part, I do believe in past lives. And um, many, you know, you know, having studied religious sciences and religious studies, many cultures believe in past lives. I believe, and I've been told by psychics and mediums previously, I've been Native American in my past life. I felt unbelievably drawn to this. And what I loved about it as I learned about it is it takes on intuitive, it expands your intuition. It helps you see the, or feel, I should say, the unseen world. And it reinstitutes your place as a very interdependent with the earth and the galaxy. Mm. That all felt so good to me. And my intuition increased my ability to sense things about people increased and ways of expanding my, that I could then take in at, to my regular patient office and have better diagnostics because I could feel when something was off. I could start to sense a patient's life force. Now that's not, doctors have done that. They call it the quote art of medicine when they can't put it in a box that they can, they call it the art of medicine. Only nobody wants to own up to being an artist about in medicine, but they had, they talk about doctors can walk in the room and without reading the chart, know how well a person is going to do. Well, I believe it's that intuitive sense that we've all had that we that we used more 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago. 
And so for me to walk into a patient room now and feel when something's off, feel when the words they say don't match their internal gestalt um, and then be able to call them on it and gently, but to say, wait, you're telling me this, but I'm not feeling that. I'm feeling this. It opens the door to so many bigger senses and broader ability. And people, for the most part, so, there are a few who say, no, no, that's not true. For the most part, people are happy that you sensed it and you want to talk about it. Mm. Well, it seems like it requires spending a little bit more time with the patient than what seems to be standard practice. I have complained quite a bit that when I go to see a doctor, it's usually just maybe, if I'm lucky, five minutes with the doctor. Mm -hmm. The you know, system, I, I'll be yeah. the first to tell you the system's broken. Yeah, It's a system that exists for a financial reason. And everything is done under that umbrella and it's broken. I work within it well, but would I love it to be different? Would I love, so I'll tell you who my favorite healer is when I read about him. I've obviously never met him. He died maybe in the eighties, Frank Fool's Crow, mm. a Lakota Sioux medicine man, powerful, powerful healer was he would bring patients to into his teepee and they would be there for four days with the diet he provided and the chants and things. And he could literally draw the poison of an infection out of the body by putting a stone into the body, if you can believe that. It was documented by a Lutheran minister and pull out the poison and I was thinking, would I love to do my healing in that kind of space? I would love it. Hmm. But we are so tied to the financial model. Unless people are upper middle class, they wouldn't be able to afford to spend the money that it, to keep me going and provide the four days of being in a teepee, even though I think it could be glorious. Right. So your patients, uh, you said, seem to be fairly open to uh, this alternative practice. Is that right? They're open to the things I talk about. I have okay. not in all of them and probably a small, I would say, maybe 10%. I've offered, here's what you can do when you can go home. Here are rituals you can do. Here are ways to think about it. So mostly what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is have a different mindset. But when I do open the door to talk about it, and I say, this isn't science. This is my spiritual belief. And I assume you believe in God, but you need God's help here. You're stuck and all your human solutions aren't working. And here's, I want you... I. You know, I suggest you do prayer, you do meditation, you put an offering in the fire. So the things that would constitute shamanic techniques, I can offer to them in modern day words and they, they get it. They don't all follow it, 
So I, I was looking, I had written down a note somewhere about that you wrote in the book, something about being stuck. So I was trying to find my note here, what uh, you said, because I wanted to ask you a question about it, but I'm going to continue to look. Okay. And what I will do instead is ask you a different question while I okay. continue to research here. The Western medical model is, I agree with you hundred percent, clearly broken. How do you envision a working model? If you were able to uh, be in charge of Western medicine, what would it look like? Wow. Hmm. I think there would be a team of healers and you would gather in a space that would be the modern day equivalent of a temple, hmm. a healing temple, that kind of idea with everyone contributing, it would not be tied to finance and it would be tied to the person being immersed in being held in the hands of all of the healers in the circle. So if it, if it occurred, obviously we might not have temples, but if it was a building and you had a room, you could have a conference room where all of the, you have a group team approach to offering you treatments. And that could go anywhere from diet all the way to self-hypnosis and everything in between. That could be really fun to work in, could mm -hmm. be really fun to participate in. And how, how do you make it happen in today's world when you have to pay the rent and you pay people's salaries? I don't know yet, but that kind of team cooperation, hands-on, in a sacred environment. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so much that is not addressed in Western medicine. And I like that this is very holistic. It's speaking to the whole person. And it's also, mm -hmm. I think, recognizing and acknowledging the whole person of the physician, you know, mm -hmm. that you also have spirit and other gifts than this medical knowledge that you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. It just seems so respectful of everybody. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and then we're back to what happened in the indigenous villages where the village right. comes together. Right. Because, and I read this somewhere in African village, if one person is broken, the whole is considered broken. Yeah. We have to start feeling, acting, believing that we are a whole. Yeah. I mean, that goes for so many issues in society. We have to stop yeah. the fracturing, the division. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I think that is represented in the state of the world today. Um, I oh, honestly my. feel that it's, you know, it's the old hermetic dictum, you know, not just as above, so below, but as within, so without. And mm -hmm. I, when I look at the world, I see a sick world and I, acknowledge that it's sick because we're sick and we all have some healing to do. Yeah. And I think the techniques in this book, regardless of whether you have a medical issue, the techniques of this book of going inward for answers, of stepping into sacred space that you yourself create, of connecting with forces, higher selves, angels, ascended masters, whatever you call them, whatever 
you want to connect to. Those kinds of behaviors, those kinds of awakenings and practices in your daily life will go so far to heal each of us mm. and to make us feel our interdependence again, not just with each other, but with the earth. I mean, that's such a big, and I think that's also why I gravitated to shamanism because there is no, I mean, I can't think of an example. Maybe there is one. There is no indigenous spirituality without recognizing the earth and the stars. And we've gotten away from that. And I'd love to get us back. Yeah. Well, the shamanic is, it, yeah, here I'm going to speak from a academic scholarly perspective for just okay. a second. Good. Um, the uh, shamanism and the shamanic is a kind of a constructed category in many ways. Mm -hmm. But what I always say, and I think that the evidence for this is pretty strong, is that I think it is the original kind of spiritual practice. And mm -hmm. it's found all over the world, right? all over the world. And it, in many places, it has persevered, but in a lot more places, it's been lost. Right. And so I really enjoy seeing this sort of reawakening of it, because I think it's so important and so essential. I think it's also why so many people gravitate to it mm. is because it does take us back to that primordial connection using our other senses to connect with forces of nature around us calling on those spirits to align with us and help us and being deeply aware of what goes on in the earth and nature and the sky there are people who are purists you know, shamanism is only, and, you know, I was thinking of some guy who's in, trained in Mongolian shamanism, right, right. but I, I'm not that much of a purist. I just like getting to that feeling state that I think existed 40,000, a hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I referred to it as a sort of a category or academic mm -hmm. construct, because you're right. There are some who are saying, no, only these Mongolian shamans are shamans. Uh, right. But the term has been in use now in academia for probably over a hundred years. Uh, right. And now it speaks to something else. It speaks to right. a practice of sorts. Right. So, and a way of being in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, do you see other than yourself, do you see any other physicians starting to implement alternative healing methods or shamanic healing methods? If I don't see a lot of them, it's partly because I live very rurally and isolated. So there are probably several and I think, though, the ones that I have seen that are willing to incorporate the alternative are the chiropractics, mm -hmm. the naturopaths, and the DOs, more so than the MDs, and beginning to bring in those alternative ways. And so I think it's a it's a evolution, and I'm hoping it's a revolution, because we need to open our we need to open our brains. We need to incorporate at least this 
philosophical belief because I think it's so healing. People feel it. When you ask them, how do you feel in nature? Do you, you feel enlivened? Do you feel rejuvenated? Shamanism, I think, well, I can't imagine any indigenous that did shamanism that wasn't out in nature. They're very in tuned, you know, att attuned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've read about forest bathing, I guess. And uh, I've seen articles where it is suggested, you know, to go out. And I think in Japan, that oh, may yeah. even be part of the medical uh, tradition there. At least it's something that's accepted. The other aspect that I can see a connection, and it, I think it took a long time, was the inclusion of uh, acupuncture. Because mm -hmm. I think from a Western medical perspective, that should just not work because it's all based right. on energy and the flow of energy in the body. Right. But yet it's now covered by insurance and you can find right. it in hospitals and other medical right. facilities. I love that. What's interesting, and one of the things that Alberto taught when I took at least 15 years ago, I took the training when the Inca, the Peruvian shamans, the Caro Indians, when their healers um, envisioned a person's body, they saw the energy field, they saw the light body, and the places that they saw the streams of light, Alberto found when he went back home, he might have been in Sacramento, I don't remember, took that imagery back home, were the meridians of the acupuncture lines. So here we are, a different continent. I forget when they were thought to have crossed 26,000 years ago, they came across mm -hmm. the Bering Sea, you know, if that's still a theory. But here are indigenous who can see, and I'll say see, a construct, a paradigm that's the same in the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I recently had an experience that began probably last November, where I had this pain in the my back shoulder, and it was going down my arm, and it literally hurt for me to sit. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I went to my traditional doctor, he's like, here are some pills. And I saw an acupuncturist. And it was interesting, because he he was a little Chinese guy and he could barely speak any English, but he noted like my chest area and he's like, you know, your energy there's all <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's right. And uh -huh. a good friend of mine is a, an amazing massage therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, and she also incorporates some energy work and she had her pendulums out uh, over the chakras. Right. And I hadn't told her anything about what the, mm -hmm. the acupuncturist said. And she, the heart area, she's like that. Yeah, it's right there. It's all closed. And then I spoke with a psychic and the psychic is like, your energy is all blocked. <laughs> so, uh -huh. so I, I've done a I lot. I love of those other ways of seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we can bring those into mainstream medicine, those all are, they all have intuitive characteristics. They all are, have that sensing other data using mm -hmm. our other senses rather than our intellect. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So did they fix you? I'm going to say that I fixed me the, well, one of the things I did is I started really amping up my yoga practice and okay. that helped phenomenally. And okay. I also 
sought out work with a shaman. And uh-huh. the we this shaman works with various plant medicines. So mm-hmm. I was on a dieta for a little while and cool. there was uh, definitely some purging and I could feel the energetic just kind of healing. So wonderful. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm in favor of all of this. I think that it's important. But the the question is, you know, I could feel and I also could tie the pain in my shoulder to an emotional state and aspects of my life, because I try to be self-reflective on that. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that the work you're doing, and I think you address this a lot in your book, mm-hmm. is that it's not just for the doctor, but it's for the patients too. Mm-hmm. And so how would you recommend to someone who's a patient to start thinking about the energy or the energetic issues that may be happening in conjunction with their physical illness? I haven't, I've done this in workshops with people who come there for the alternative, but not directly in my practice, but to have a person be in meditative state, mindfulness state, and maybe even define for them the four perspectives, the literal world, the emotional world, the spiritual world, the energetic world, and have them write down everything they're feeling in each mm-hmm. and telling a story from one of the perspectives, defining or telling a story about this shoulder from the emotional perspective, yeah. and then tell a story from the spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I am Nick and my shoulder hurts with zinging down my arm, the psychic, the shaman, the acupuncturist all told me my heart is blocked and then explain it from a spiritual perspective. I bet, I bet that exercise could be unbelievably eye-opening. Yeah. Well, and it gets back to, I think that idea of stuckness. I found where I had that in my notes and it wasn't, but because what you wrote is that when talking about moving forward to healing, one of the most common issues that you see with your patients is stuckness. And it seems to me that the, the four perspectives, and we can talk a little bit about some of the other that you use, but it seems like I like that idea of writing these stories from these different perspectives, because Mm -hmm. it feels like that may be a really good way of identifying stuckness. And a way to get you out of your primary way of interpreting and thinking. Mm. Have you think outside the box? And I think for me, the stuckness, when I see it in people, it's this, the rules under which they operate. And those Mm. rules are, I'm going to say, 99% of the time self-inflicted to identify those rules and then to be brave enough to ask the question, who says? Mm. Who says that this is happening? Who says that you have to stay in this diseased state? Mm. The bars of the cages that you've built around you, who put the bars up? Who has the key to the door? And are you willing to allow a different possibility in your life? Some people aren't willing because they have so much often subconsciously invested 
or the pain in their body and the distress in their body is so overwhelming, it keeps them interpreting things in a certain way. Yeah. But if they had the courage to stop a minute and say, who says you have to be like this? Yeah. Who made, well, who made that rule? Yeah. And it may be something that they, you know, they don't even think that they can question it. It's just this right. is the way it is. Right. I have blah, blah, blah disease. Right. right. I am blah, blah, blah. And to help somebody see, and you can't do this in one 20 minute doctor's visit, that's for sure. But if you can see the person over and over, even in mainstream medicine, you can make a dent. But to have that person say, just say, what if, what if mm. this wasn't true? Mm. What would it look like? And then you're moving the person into the spiritual perception. Look down the road. What does your future self look like? Is there a healed future self waving to you down the road? If you can shift somebody even to consider that mental exercise, to even imagine the person walking towards them in their visualization was their healed self, the power of that possibility might just snap them out of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tell ourselves stories and we believe the stories that we tell. That's another reason why I liked uh, your suggestion of writing the stories for the four perspectives, mm -hmm. because it tells you the story that you're telling yourself and maybe can right. help identify ways to change the story. Right. And when you write a new one, those are your thoughts creating a new reality. Mm. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned thoughts and the importance of thoughts in your book. And so maybe we can speak about that for a little bit. What, what, what is the role of thoughts? How, I know we've been talking about a little bit, but how do thoughts heal us and how do they make us sick? So let me just say from a big picture point of view, I believe that the frontier of medicine, mainstream medicine, if it could start to include our awareness of consciousness, could revolutionize healing. There's a fabulous book by Dawson Church, Mind into Matter, where he categorizes all the studies out there where they have shown how your thinking actually elicits an outcome. And Joe Dispensa teaches this, Lynn McTaggart teaches this, many people teach in this arena. But if you, let's just assume it's true that your thoughts create your reality. Now, you know this probably way better than I do, Nick, but whatever, 5,000 years ago in India, the mystics knew that their consciousness created reality. If you can see that happening, and even if you can't see that, if you think a thought and reflect on how do you feel, put it in a feeling state. Does your body feel good? Does your heart feel heavy when you think this? Does it feel enlivened and joyful? How do you feel with this thought? And then if you then can extend that to how do you feel when you say this? Hmm. When you say these words, do those words feel good? And eventually, I think if I would love it, if we could all train ourselves to put words out there, which come from our thoughts that bring well-being each time you say it as opposed to a put down 
we know in cyberspace, Twitter, social media, there's so many negative thoughts just dropped, bombs dropped everywhere. But back to how do you do that? Feel it, feel. And that way you make your mental state and your feeling state congruent. And then you're talking authentic living. Mm. Yeah. Because you could say something, oh, I'm fine, but your body's screaming, no, I'm not. (laughs) You're not congruent. You're not authentic. Mm. So thinking, I think the feeling, feel it. And you could, you know, you might have to have people practice that a while because we've been so into our heads and out of our feeling state. Yeah. It, uh, it also seems that people have to start learning to trust their bodies and not mm-hmm. just their feelings, but to listen to their bodies itself, because we often seem to have that disconnect between mind and body and, uh, and get back to honoring it. Yeah. With every, I mean, face it, we work our bodies like workhorses in the lives we lead. Yeah. 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 And people take pride in that. I know a few people that, you know, they're, they, they talk quite a bit about, you know, it's the hustle and that they're always constantly hustling and everything. And I'm like, aren't you tired? Isn't there more to life than just that? That's the no pain, no gain. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things at the very end of the book, you noted in one of the sections that you were constantly surprised by how patients resist staying home and resting. Uh, And I thought that that kind of applies to what we're just talking about, that people don't give themselves the time to heal. Right. And sometimes I have to say, especially in the area that I live, when people are very financially strapped, they do not have days off at work, they cannot take off. But even where, even going to bed early, you have a bad cold, go to bed early, sleep extra. Yeah, I think we've lost. And then it takes me back when my image just went in my mind of Frank Fool's Crow, and he had someone at his teepee for four days. Well, probably at that point, if they felt they needed to sleep, they slept. Yeah. So they were completely present. That's the, I mean, there they were without any uh, distractions of the outside world, completely present in their healing chamber. Hmm. So they probably did listen to their body at that point because there's no one to talk to. That's, it was just interesting thinking about that. Yeah. One of the things I liked about your book is, I'm going to try to figure out how I want to say this is, you have a you have a series of medicine wheels. You have these five medicine wheels, and these are all based on. And please correct me if I'm mispronouncing this. It's the Chicana symbol, and I, I, I really liked this because the five medicine wheels. You have the four directions, the four elements, the four perspectives, which we have talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. The inner tasks and the inner actions. And it's unfortunate that people can't see this. I I don't have anything to pull up, but I was thinking of it as the, because at one point you have all of them together. And I I love that part because, well, first of all, I was taught the directions, the perspectives and the elements. So those are not my constructs. The other two are mine. But when I felt into a person and I felt into what I learned from Alberto's training, what I learned from other esoteric teachers, and what I sensed now about patients, 
the medicine wheel is literally swirling around. Mm. It's this space around the patient that any combo at any time could be present. But I loved it because it was multifaceted. It wasn't just limit. It wasn't stuck in a limitation. And it made me see that a person can be many things at one at one moment and that the, those things can change. And it gave me a broader view and a broader ability to assess somebody and broke me out of my stuckness of having to always see something from a traditional medical mainstream medicine. The four, the four interactions and inner tasks are the ways I sort of intuited how shifting a process, a life challenge, a health challenge can go. And then I teach those because I believe if we can apply that to any process, any challenge in our life, we can make headway. Yeah, I, I liked all of them together. And, and I see exactly what you're talking about. I saw it as being, I don't know any other way of saying it, but other than kind of like multidimensional in a sense, mm -hmm. but I was referring to it as the maximum medicine mandala. And oh, cool. Yeah. And I like that because mandalas are supposed to be representative of wholeness and wholeness is healing. And a lot of symbolism and taking in a lot of the energies of the earth and the galaxy all at once. Yep. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned about thought, just briefly say this in my book, Maximize Your Healing Power, I spend some time in teaching what I call the mindfulness matrix. The way we think can bring us more inner power. And I mean that in terms of life force, not in terms of dominant power, but how we think, are you feeling expanded when you say this? Do you feel transformative? Are you really clear? Do you have clarity? Is this really a wise way of thinking? Does this bring you power, inner power? That Those ways of thinking, even taking that chapter and making sure you practice each of those ways of thinking or that all your thoughts you choose of your choices of five thoughts, you choose the one that has the most wisdom that could be life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, changing our thoughts is life-changing, I think. Yes. Um, yes. And, mm -hmm. But for some reason, we love our negative thoughts. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. love our negative thoughts. It, you know, and it's also, I, I'm a quite the fan of Carl Jung. And I see his ideas of thinking, feeling, sensation, and what's the, what did I miss? Oh, no, I'm embarrassed. Feeling, thinking, feeling, sensation, intuition, that all of those apply to the medicine wheels as well. You know, it's interesting you say that because Carl Greer, who is a master shaman and Jungian analyst, is my, is my teacher. He wrote the forward in my book. And I think that's why many deep thinkers gravitate to Jung is because mm -hmm. he brings in a spiritual he brings in a holistic approach, um, yeah. but it's interesting you brought that up. Yeah, well, he was a bit of a shaman himself. I think he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that you also point out in terms of thoughts that often we focus on thoughts of lack rather than mm -hmm. uh, feelings of abundance and what we do have. I think that at least in the shamanic 
teachings that I've received, gratitude is such a key energy. Mm. It's such a key just for softening your heart and letting you feel comfortable in the space you're standing in, but also in terms of relationship with the higher energies and intelligences that you align yourself with. Mm. And I think it was, was it Annie Lamott who wrote a book, Help, Thanks, Wow? Uh, maybe the three, three yeah. ways that she, you know, you might talk to God first, you're going help, oh, yeah. please, you know, help up. But then you say, thank you. Mm. And then, oh, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And then you go, wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, that book's a really good book, but gratitude mm. is key. And it brings up the other key concept, which is reciprocity. Mm. You, and I teach this in any times you do a visualization, a meditative journey, where you interact with a another being or your higher self or your wise person guide expressing gratitude because that's an assumption that we're going to give a give and take here i need to honor what i'm receiving from you be grateful for it and at the very least just so you can get it to keep coming yeah when it seems like it would also be helpful to think in terms of gratitude, it's also shifting the perspective on any kind of illness where it seems counterintuitive to say, well, be grateful for the illness. But often there are lessons in the illnesses that we have. And hence you're talking the mythical perspective, the spiritual right. perspective. Right. I had I closed my practice in 2014. I had a solo practice financially. It was unsustainable and started working as a hospital doctor, whirlwind, emotionally very sad to have closed my practice. And shortly, I would say six weeks into the transition, I had a huge horse accident, horse riding accident, broke 13 ribs, broke wow. my hand, was laid up for a while. And I can say with honesty, I can look back on that and say, I'm grateful for that because, and I'll say, I'll say, God, I believe in God. God made me slow down. He laid me down. I had the most reflection on the changes on how I wanted my life to go forward in that time. It was a very powerful time. So part of that is making sure you look at something are there gifts? Because I say that sometimes to patients. Is there something good about this? Have you yeah. gained something good about this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was just thinking I had a classmate mm -hmm. once that that's what she would always do whenever you would say what was going on in your life, even if it was bad, she would always end what's, what's the gift. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if somebody says that to you too much, when you're feeling you're wallowing in your self-pity, you want to smack yeah. them and say, get away from me. There's no gift here. Can't you see I'm struggling? So yeah, but you do, you do have to honor your sadness or your grief or your pain. But then if you take a minute, is there, did God put you on this path for a reason? Are you learning something important? Hmm. Is it, what have you, what does this give you? And that's part of coming unstuck, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you also write about setting intentions that in this, I think is also connected to the thoughts that we have, but to have the right. intention of healing, right? If you can't see it as a possible future for yourself, I don't think you, your body will follow along. So you have to be able to visualize it and then you have to believe it when you say you want it. And intention is all of that put together. It's really focusing on your best outcome that you want and putting your whole mind, body, and spirit behind the wish. Right. Yeah. Now in the book, I know that we're getting close to our time here, but in the book, you have a lot of exercises for people. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to make sure that that was part of this, that people know that you have a lot of really interesting visualizations Mm -hmm. and kind of shamanic journeys that you lead them on. But one of the things that you also talk about, and I went, this is what I wanted to ask you about is ritual. You Mm -hmm. recommend performing rituals. How can ritual help us in the healing process? When you're doing a ritual, you light a candle at dinner time, you touch, and I'm going to plead ignorance for those people who are Jewish, the what's hanging on the door jam as you go out. I'm sorry, I don't remember, but you touch it. Cross yourself going into a Catholic church. Those rituals put you in, for that moment, a meditative space. When you really do a ritual, a longer ritual, lighting a candle, passing passing a crystal through it that you've used, you are saying that what you're doing is a sacred moment. And when you're doing a sacred moment, you're asking every part of yourself to be present And you're asking your guides, your gods, your angels, your higher self to be present. That's a powerful space. And that's why I think doing ritual can shift something because even if you write your intention on a paper and you turn on a candle and you say the intention three times and then let it burn in the candle, you are activating everything for that moment and making that intention resonate through your whole body. Now, if you do these things in sacred spaces, like you go to Chaco Canyon and you go into one of the ruins there, or you go to Machu Picchu, or if you go to a sacred space, you go to the Wailing Wall um, and do them, then you've got the energy of thousands, millions of people before you doing the same thing, and it heightens it. There really is energy in sacred spaces. Yeah, yeah. After I stop recording, I need to tell you about my experience at Chaco Canyon last year. Oh, cool. So I'm surprised that you said that. And that's kind of, I'm like, oh, wow. So ritual seems like then it's a, I guess, almost like a three-dimensional intention or a three-dimensional prayer. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to call it that? Mm Mm-hmm. It's got the richness of all of those. Yes. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. And maybe it's more, maybe it's multi-dimensional. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. That would actually be fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So like I said, I know that we're running out of time here, but let me ask you a couple of final questions in your healing practice. I know that you're working at a health clinic in Mm -hmm. South central Pennsylvania and you, your practice is informed by this. And I know that not every patient is um, probably open to it, but many of them are, but do you also have a separate practice where it's just the shamanic? I do that non-locally. I do that on the phone. I do sessions. I haven't done it for a while, partly because of COVID, but partly because of writing the book and now promoting the book, but yes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's people can connect with me through my website, drsharonmartin.com, drsharonmartin.com. But yes. Okay. All right. And the shamanic healing is effective like over the phone or Zoom? Oh my, unbelievable. Wow. Why I like it. And sometimes for me, being on the phone with somebody and not seeing them takes away any biases I have from the literal looking Mm. at somebody Mm. and gets me out of my doctor head. Mm. Um, And then I can intuit what I hear, what I feel. So sometimes for me, it's much more powerful to do it that way. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm sure that people are probably really happy to know that they don't actually have to go to Pennsylvania to have uh, a healing session. This stuff is so miraculous. It's it transcends time and space. And I think it's because what I think we're going to learn in the frontiers of mainstream medicine is it hits the field of consciousness and that universal field. And I, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Well, I personally believe that consciousness is going to be the game changer Um, because, you know, as you mentioned in like the Indian traditions, consciousness has been primary. Yeah. And they've understood it for thousands of years now. Right. And in the West, we're just now really starting to right. explore it. What is it? You know, we can't even say what it is and right. how to work with it. So I think it is going to change everything yeah. um, at some point. Yeah. So you gave your website, but let me, that was Dr. Sharon Martin.com. Yeah. And let me ask you, what do you have coming up next? Do you have any workshops, classes, any other books? I think the next few months are going to be book promoting and then probably start to generate some workshops. I'm going to be at the Edgar Casey Foundation in Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. January, sorry, July 22nd, I think, and 23rd, that's Saturday and Sunday, as a an intuitive reader, so to speak, doing many sessions for people. I've put in an application to do a program at Omega. So yeah, I have things percolating along. The other thing that I'm personally very interested in, and again, this goes into the woo-woo, the those other energies in the world that we call magic. Mm, yeah. And I'm very interested in exploring that more, especially yeah. the sacredness of it. Not, you know, there is dark magic that I would not be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been exploring all of these things for a little while now. uh, And I think Uh it's, uh, it's quite fascinating. And I think that it's empowering. And I think that the goal of it is always some kind of healing. Yeah. Self in the world, self in the world. 
Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for uh, your time today. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I'm glad your book is doing so well. Again, that's Maximize Your Healing Power, Shamanic Healing Techniques to Overcome Your Health and Challenges. And it's been out for a few days now, right? It went out yesterday. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And it's already number one in a couple of categories on Amazon. So I love, thank you for inviting me. I love getting the message out there because it's about people have the power to help heal themselves. And I want them to know that. I want them to feel it. I want them to have tools to do this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you for inviting me. Well, of course, absolutely. You know, I have a bit of a background in uh, shamanism and uh, I'll be honest real quick. One of the things that really wanted uh, led me to want to speak with you was, I don't know if you're familiar with this book. I read it as a doctoral student. It's called The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down. It, Mong, the Mong Yeah, tribe. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the little girl who is extremely epileptic. And mm -hmm. it's set in Merced in California. And you see this beautiful combination of Western medicine and the Hmong mm -hmm. shamans. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I was familiar with that book. And so I definitely mm -hmm. see the value of connecting Western medicine and the shamanic. Right. And it's, and again, the Hmong healers did not consider her broken. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point right there, mm -hmm. uh, because I think often Western medicine tends to see us as broken. Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. I wish that would, I I'm working to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I am always very grateful for people who are helping to heal the world. So, well, thank uh, you for inviting me. Of course. Thanks, Nick. All right. Thank you. And that's a wrap on episode 91 of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you are part of my YouTube audience or view this on Spotify. If you like what I do here on Rebel Spirit Radio and would like to support my work, and please support my work, uh, please consider becoming a patron. You can find the link for the Patreon in the show notes or video description. And of course, if you would prefer to make a one-time donation, you can still do so via PayPal. I will be incredibly grateful for any support that you can provide. Another way that you can help the podcast is to share it with friends, family, coworkers, even anyone that you think will enjoy it. And please share it on social media too. That really is one of the best ways that you can help and support the podcast. So again, if you feel moved by the rebel spirit, and I hope that you do, then please help me share the good news. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. And please subscribe. For those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you will be informed when I upload new content. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to or watching Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit.